When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hello, and welcome to What a Load of Cobblers, the debrief, a conversation on Northampton Town Nil, Sunderland AFC Nil. I'm Tom Reed, and today I'm joined by local democracy reporter James Averill, Wallach regular and football shirt collector extraordinaire Brendan Walsh. And we're pleased <laughs> to be joined at the Sunderland end by football reporter for the Sunderland Echo, Phil Smith, and Paddy Hollis from the Roker Report podcast. How are you doing, guys? Still buzzing from that feast of football, no doubt? What a way to start the new year. <laughs> Start as you need to go on, as they say. Yeah, not yeah. You know, wasn't a great, wasn't a great spectacle. But um, let's go to you first, James. Um, although the fare was pretty poor from both sides, um, there were some positives for the cobblers. Would you say? Well, I think the main positive is a clean sheet. They don't come around too often, and if you look at it in the context of the last two games, it's only one goal conceded, um, and which was a free kick, so none from open play. So. When you compare that to, you know, the two 4-0 uh, horror shows that we saw uh, not so long ago, it's been a big improvement defensively. So I think that was the main plus point uh, from yesterday. Uh, I think Sean McWilliams and Alan Sheehan make such a difference when they come into the team. We just look so much more defensively solid. So, yeah, it was a pretty poor watch uh, in terms of entertainment. But in terms of the context of the journey of our season, I guess it was a... a an important turning point to look solid defensively again, I think. Yeah, we, we really needed to avoid a tonking. That was sort of a worry for me. You know, the Oxford result, um, 4-0 and two 4-0s in a row. I was slightly concerned we might have a return to that, but we matched uh, you know, a Sunderland 11 that's you know fairly strong pretty well. So that was definitely a positive for me. Um, Brendan, over to you, mate. You're a notoriously upbeat Cobbers fan. Um, what pluses did you... <laughs> Take from that cobbler's performance. Yeah, much the same, really. You know, a, a clean sheet. That's only our third clean sheet this season, never to be sniffed at. I think I knew uh, our best chance before the game. Uh, I felt that we could kind of... We only had missed one game with Boxing Day being postponed and then obviously had Gillian in midweek. And I just felt Sunderland was it two or three weeks off with the COVID protocols. I, I feel like this, they're going to come back. If we do sit deep, they're not going to be as match sharp as they want to be. And I felt um, we made the most of that, really. So, you know, like I said, that, that's got to be a huge positive, a clean sheet. Um, There's a few individual performances as well, which bodes well for the rest of the season. But, you know, a clean sheet basically is the biggest positive I can take out of that. I think if, if I was forced to find another, you know, you, you think back to Swindon and, and MK. I think we beat Swindon 2-1 and MK was 0-0. We were sat back like 10 men inside the box for 90 minutes pretty much there and, and no offence to the Sunderland contingent on this week. But 
I don't think we were pushed as hard as those games. I think we were pretty good value for the draw this time. It wasn't. I didn't feel like we got out of that lucky. I thought that was a, you know, a fair result for everybody. So, um, yeah. But you know, that, that, those are good good reasons to be happy um, and and enjoy a, a couple of days break before next league action now. Yeah, definitely. And the league table, we're always looking down at the bottom four, aren't we? And any sort of gap to that that drop zone is is going to be a good one for Northampton. And I, I felt that last season we didn't really draw many games. It was either we'd be winning games or we'd be losing. And it was, you know, one or the other. But a couple of draws don't actually hurt if we're just trying to stay up. So, they, you know, a point here and there could be quite useful come the end of the season. Try and get those, uh, points for games up as well, which might um, come into play too. Paddy, over in the Sunderland end, uh, what did you make of the Sunderland performance and what was the general mood among the Black Cats fans after the game? Well, I think it was general sort of disappointment, really. Um, but I think we, you guys have touched on it yourselves. I think we played like a team who haven't really properly kicked a ball in about two and a half weeks. Um, yeah. And I think the, the general consensus was that we were coming up against a team in Northampton who, yeah, have had a pretty disappointing season most weeks so far this season. But as you say, you no know, results have improved, and I think, I think that sort of that extra sort of match sharpness uh, definitely played a massive part. And um, yeah, I think, as you said, I think Northampton were good value for the draw. I think it probably was a fair result because I, I really, neither keepers were really tested enough to justify no. one team, one team edging, uh, edging the match. So um, yeah, it was, it was slightly disappointing, but yeah, it did just, the summer performance, it reeked of one, which just, you know, the players just, they barely trained in two weeks. You know, we haven't we haven't had a match in two and a half weeks, and you could really tell that. Yeah, sure. Did you sort of um, agree with me that you lacked a little bit of pace for me? Because speaking to the Roco report before the the game, I was saying that you know behind our our wing backs is a weakness for us, and to get in a bit in the pace in behind them, you did that a little bit getting in behind. Uh, Nicky Adams, but I think you did it at one point when you, you got behind Nicky, in behind Nicky Adams, switched the play quickly over to McGeady. He couldn't get a shot away, but that is sort of how you unlock cobblers. And for me, Sunderland looked to be lacking pace, you know, through the team. Would you say, Paddy? Yeah, I, I think we are. To be honest, I mean, in the past, you know, we've I think in our first season in League One, we kind of had this. It felt like our number one game plan was to get the ball to McGeady and just hope he did something. Now, this yeah. was sort of two years ago and, you know, McGeady's been, he was out of the team for a long time and I just, I did just feel like yesterday we sort of drifted towards that. It's like any of our midfielders will get the ball and it's just like a case of get the ball to McGeady and then see what he can do. And you could definitely see that Northampton had picked him out as a player to keep an eye on because on a couple of occasions, you know, it was, they were doubled and, and tripled up on him and when that happened, you know, a player, anybody's going to struggle to make anything happen with the ball, and I think that's that worked well, you know. And I definitely think we did just look, we looked slow and sluggish, and yeah. I like to think that that will improve when we get the match fitness back. Um, but it was pretty disappointing to see. But yeah, hopefully that'll sort of um, that kind of rustiness will come out of our performances in the next few weeks. Yeah, I guess you'll see in the next couple of games. Phil, you were at the game. 
covering the covering the match. What did you make of it, firstly, as a performance for Sunderland and secondly, as an experience with the state of the Cobblers pitch? Yeah, well, it was it was the shortest match report I've ever written. Um, and I'm not, I'm not <laughs> exaggerating even slightly there. It was such a strange game because there was barely like any even any, you know, sort of controversial refereeing decisions or anything. It was just such a, a non-event in some ways. And I think that was partially you have to give a lot of credit to Northampton. Um, you know, yeah. personally, I was genuinely really impressed with um, how resolute Northampton were. I thought, yeah, the pitch is in a real state, which doesn't make for much of a spectacle. Mm. The ball, the ball wasn't in play much. You know, when a ball went out for a throw in, it would take sort of thirty seconds to come back. And actually, what it reminded me a lot of was when you used to go to Wickham. Actually, in the first couple of years, Sunderland were in League One, and they, they did a very similar thing and did it very well. I'm not saying that in any way, shape, or form. You know, in a disparaging sense, I was really impressed with Northampton. You know, you guys as supporters will will have your own opinions, I'm sure, but. <laughs> yeah, you know, I I thought that you know the the structure certainly w- was impressive, and you got what you wanted out of it, which was a clean sheet. I thought the the number seventeen McWilliams, I think, I thought he was um, yeah absolutely terrific. Obviously, in a game like that, you don't get to see much of him in terms of what he can do going forward. But I thought his intelligence and the way he broke the game up and the way he kept things simple was was really encouraging. And from Sunderland, yeah, you, you mentioned the lack of pace, and that is the key thing and something that you know you know. Patrick will back me up here. We've been talking about for three years, really. I remember Jack Ross um, saying a couple of months into his tenure that we have loads of players who are nice, creative players, but they all want to come to the ball. We don't have anyone who actually stretches the play. And it was interesting to hear you say there that that that's where you hurt Northampton. Part of that was because both of Sunderland's left backs were were out either through injury or COVID, so there literally wasn't a left footer in the team. And I thought you could tell that because I thought that made something really predictable. And, and that was one of the reasons they couldn't get behind the wing backs. So, yeah, it, it was a it was a total non-event. There's not really any other way to describe it. But, you know, from my perspective, I, I thought Northampton deserved credit for that. You know, the um, yeah, it wasn't particularly great to watch, but there was certainly plenty of resilience there that, you know, you guys will have your own opinions, I'm sure, on, on your team and what have you. But they were worthy of the point. I don't think anyone could say Sunderland did enough to get all three. Yeah, that, that seems a fair summary. What was Lee Johnson's take after the final whistle? What was his thoughts on the whole, whole thing? Well, I think he was kind of, it's been a strange couple of weeks for Sunderland because obviously Lee Johnson came in and had sort of two games and then there was a massive COVID outbreak and the training ground was shut and he couldn't work with his players. And <laughs> I think he was really disappointed with the attacking performance in terms of the creativity, but I think he was conscious that it probably wasn't the time to be particularly critical given everything that the squad's been through. Um, and I think it's still a little bit of an unknown in terms of how much impact COVID actually has on players. I still think, you know, there's a bit of a worry and uncertainty about what the long-term impact for players are. But yeah, he was he was frustrated with certain things. You know, the fact that I don't think he was particularly bothered by North- Northampton's approach, but I think he felt there should have been more added time you know, little things like that. But overall, I think he kind of shared what we've talked about so far. I don't think he felt that Sunderland did enough to really hurt Northampton or or to, to warrant winning the game. Sure. I was slightly disappointed um, in Sunderland. Not that we wanted, obviously, you to play much of a performance. We obviously wanted Northampton to win. But I was slightly... Um, yeah, I just felt that... that that dynamism was lacking a bit. Obviously, the COVID layoff wasn't, didn't help. I, 
obviously Sean McWilliam, Sean McWilliams put in a very strong performance in the centre of the park and we played a lot of uh, what I would call like stopping tactics. So we made the game very difficult for Sunderland and that, that stood us in good stead. Um, James McWilliams, for you, was he a standout player, would you say? Oh, yeah, I thought he was the best player on the pitch by quite a distance, to be honest. Um, in terms of, it, I thought it was the first time in a while that we actually competed in, in midfield um, and probably edged the midfield battle, in, in, in fairness, in purely down to McWilliams's performance. But I think McWilliams brings the best out of Ryan Watson as well. Um, I thought Watson had his best game in, in ages in terms of getting stuck in and, and looking like he could create chances as well. He was lacking a little bit on the final ball. And, you know, we, we saw the option where he, he went for the shot, uh, where it was perhaps best to, to roll in Nicky Adams. But, um, yeah, McWilliams just did the very basic things well uh, in terms of just breaking up play and then finding a simple pass and trying to get our more creative players on the ball. But, um yeah, probably the best individual performance I've seen from from one of our players this season. Um, I thought he was comfortably man of the match. But I, I thought Danny Rose put in a good shift up front. Um, and all of all of the defence played very well as well. But yeah, McWilliams was the best player for us, 100%. Yeah, it's, it's always nice to see a homegrown player doing well. I just, for me, with McWilliams, I think he puts in so many good performances in a defensive capacity. I just think we're struggling slightly for players next to him that, are good, that have that creative creative vision and the ability to move the ball up the pitch. Obviously, Watson did play OK, I think. I wouldn't say he pulled up any trees, but um, that may be an, an area where Northampton are struggling slightly there. Totality through the centre midfield. Um, Brendan, up front, we I think it was one shot on target. Is that an area that yeah. you think needs to be improved? Yeah, and, and and do you know what is you know I I've had this conversation with my mate a, a lot of times. I think the thing we we lack is pace. And you look at some of our players that were more reliable in League Two, the ones that are still here. But you know, Nicky Adams was devastating last season and, and was was near the top or top of all the assist charts, wasn't he? And and even you know, I don't really get the point on having him on the pitch for delivery when he when he's clearly lost the yard and can't uh, you know fashion the space to put that delivery in. And then on all the, the dead balls and set pieces, we had Alan Sheehan anyway. So obviously I really like him and, you know, he's won two promotions at the club and he deserves um, praise from Cobblers fans. But I just don't see a pace for him in the team at the moment. I'd rather have someone like um, Marshall or bring someone in who's got a little bit more pace because if we're going to sit yeah. back and defend and be resolute, I think we've got to be able to counter quicker. And and at the end of the game, when he took Rose off, he'd, he'd run himself into the ground. Um you know, our, our, our uh, strike force was Benny Ashley-Seal and Harry Smith, which is devoid of any pace at all. And, you know, you're, you're then looking for your, the only bit of, of pace on the team would then probably be coming from Hoskins and he was starting so deep. So, I don't know, I think you, you could say what you want. I think we need to improve all areas of the pitch, but I'd like to see a little injection of pace to, to, to all of it, really. Um, I think that's what, if we're going to sit in and, and be defensive, that's what we need. Um, Sunderland were clearly in, in need of the same thing. But I think for me, what their attack was lacking was the, most of all was that much sharpness. There was so many times they got into the final third or or broke on us or did something. And then the, the last ball just went not even close to, to Charlie Wyke or um, or uh, and any of the strikers they had on. It, it was just a bit sloppy in the final third. It was like watching Cobbers at the beginning of the season, um, yeah. really, where, when the, the, the final third was just, was just lacking of any quality. But... 
Yeah, I, I thought I thought Danny Rose was a nuisance all day yesterday, and he had a really good game against Gillingham. I think he needs to to play more often, and I think Benny Ashley Seals just had his, his best two games for for Cobblers. But I think we need to get more pace, and more quality in and around them, um, and support them because if if that's the strike partnership we're going with, we need better service into them. Yeah, I'd say that's one downside of the performance yesterday, or I guess Cobblers in general is. The lack of testing the goal. I think we are the lowest scorers in League One. Um, I was a bit disappointed not to see a bit more of Chuck Romico in recent games. I'm a big mm. fan of of his and so is James. And I guess you are too, Brendan. Um, yeah. I think he's a really outstanding prospect and he's just not really, really been used that much. So it's a bit of a bit of a difficult one, that one. Let's go to you, Paddy. Obviously, a few negatives for Sutherland, but there must have been a couple of players that stood out for you a little bit and uh, enthused you a little bit. Yeah, I think um, the player who's just really caught my eye yesterday was um, actually Dion Sanderson. Um, yeah. He's, he came in, um, you know, because we were lacking a bit of, well, a bit of height and well, a bit of everything in in the back four, really. Um, and he, um, he, I thought, I just think he, he looked really comfortable on the ball. Um, and I think going forward, um, it looked like he was, actually one of the few players who could have made something happen. Um, so I'd say, for me, he was probably the, the biggest bright spark. Um, other than that, uh, Bailey Wright, he looked solid again, but he's had, you know, he's had his problems with injuries, but you know, he, he got a goal in our last home game before the COVID break, and he looked he looked solid. Um, and yeah, I think he, he carried that on again. So I think, you know, defensively, you know, our defenders, they're putting a good performance. You know, Northampton did make it tricky. You know, I think there was a couple of times where Ashley Sale um, had a real, real good run uh, at our back four, and I think we did handle him well. You know, because he's he's a big, strong player, and you know, we have in the past in League One we have had a record of struggling to play against those kind of strikers. So, um, yeah, I think defensively, you know, it was a bit of a makeshift back four. Um, you know, I think like like Phil said, both of our usual left backs are unavailable at the minute, so that was. That wasn't ideal, you know, especially after having the sort of two, two and a half weeks off. So I think, uh, yeah, going forward, there wasn't really many positives to take. You know, I mean, Charlie White, he's had his critics, but this year he has, he has improved. You know, and he has, he scored more of the chances where in previous years he would have missed. So I think, you know, he didn't get a lot to work with yesterday, but he tried to make himself a nuisance. But, but overall, I'd say. Yeah, but Sanderson and probably Wright were the were the standouts for me. I was really pleased with the uh, performance what they put in. Yeah, I was quite. Um, I thought Diamond had a little bit about him. I think he's definitely a prospect for, for Sunderland. Obviously, I don't watch him week in week out, but I, I would say that he might be uh, one to keep an eye on going forward. Um, Phil, what about for you? Like I said, difficult game for Sunderland, but you know some fairly bright performances. Would you say? Yeah, I think so. The, the the Sanderson one was an interesting one because obviously when he he played for um, Cardiff and had a really quite successful spell last season, and when, when he signed, it was you know there was quite a bit of excitement because the reason Sunderland were able to get him was he'd been expected to go into the championship, but his loan kind of fell through at the last minute, and it's been strange that he hasn't played much. And, and yesterday was quite interesting because in some ways it was Sunderland's biggest strength because I thought he had a really good game defensively. He was strong. He got into some good mm. positions. But it was also kind of went back a lot to what we were talking about, but because 
Sunderland have been so dependent on Denver Hume and, and Callum McFadden when he's been fit to offer that, to be that player who can get to the byline, who can actually get in behind the opposition. And we talked a bit about McGeady and how, you know, quite often teams will double up on him or sometimes even kind of put three defenders on him. Now, normally the benefit of that is it leaves a lot of space for your wing back to get in behind and that's how you can hurt teams. And, and so it was a strange one yesterday where actually, you know, that left side, certainly attacking wise, Sunderland actually suffered. But I think going forward, Sanderson showed that when Sunderland can get him in a more natural position and on the right flank, you know, he will be a real threat. So that's one of those where, you know, ultimately it didn't lead to Sunderland creating a huge amount yesterday. But hopefully when, you know, there's a better balance to the side, that'll that'll be something to take forward. And as you mentioned, Diamond's he's a very exciting player. I think the only reason probably me and Patrick haven't mentioned him today is because actually he's been a lot better in recent weeks than he was yesterday. Mm. It's no criticism of him. It's just that, you know, we've seen him really kind of take the game to the opposition in recent weeks. And yesterday he wasn't quite able to do that. But he is a young player and particularly the kind of player he is. You know, he's always going to have little dips. Um, and, you know, after everything that's gone on in the last couple of weeks, probably wasn't a surprise that, that yesterday was what that day. But he's certainly someone that, that gets you on the edge of your seat. And we're all very excited to watch him develop. Yeah, he, he definitely looks a talent. And I wouldn't be too downhearted as a Sunderland writer or Sunderland fan, you know, if you're listening, because cobblers do make games very difficult for the opposition. And it, it obviously wasn't one for the purists. The pitch was very difficult. There's a lot of bubbles on the pitch making passing quite difficult. So I wouldn't take the Northampton game as a particular form guide for Sunderland fans. I'd look to the next few games, maybe try and, um, you know, if there's a game coming up on a, a bit, bit of a better pitch, bit more fitness in the side and uh you know see what happens but there's certainly some small bright sparks for um Sunderland on the on the day um I'm just going to read out a couple of tweets from our, our, our readers describing the game just a general feeling about how Northampton played James Sills tweeted us saying um Keith Carl starting with the same team that beat the Jules was the right call. Given the state of the pitch, it was never going to make a great watch. Lots of huffing and puffing. I never felt threatened or worried by them. They weren't great. Take a point. McWilliams outstanding man of the match. Was a cobbler. I think he lives in Gibraltar. Gibraltar cobbler. He tweeted us, decent enough performance in a scrappy game. And we matched them. Stats must have been better again. And Gary has tweeted us saying, uh, disappointed really, because I thought Sunderland were poor. Doesn't matter how bigger club they are currently they are mid-table in our division there for the taking in my honest opinion so that was a bit of a bullish run from Gary I'm not <laughs> sure if I agree with that completely but you know you're uh, suddenly they're there to be shot at and that is what I something I spoke to with the Roka report about is that teams often lift their games to play in Sunderland it's just something they're going to have to face until they try and get out of this division um I, I did see a I'm going to have to bleep this out but I seen that I saw a really funny uh, review from a Sunderland fan and you know uh, Sunderland fans are known for their sort of uh, dry humour and he just this guy just tweeted I won't tweet his name but he just tweeted I'm going to have to beat this out he tweeted one of the worst games I've ever seen both teams are shit <laughs> 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 harsh, thought, harsh but true <laughs> I thought because we had Phil on I thought Phil that'll save you a food column inches wouldn't it Phil just, just write that and just yeah. put that ahead I was going to say was your match report shorter or longer than that Phil I was going to say it <laughs> It, it's longer, but it should have been. That's all it should have been. Yeah. <laughs> but that that made me laugh, and uh, it's, good, it's good to have a bit of dark humour about it. It wasn't a spectacle. I've, I've talked about it a lot, and I don't want to go on on about it every week. But the style of football with Keith Carl for me is not it's not Brazil 1970. Let's put it that way. But at least we're picking up some points. Um, James, just go back to you. I think a lot of this is, you know, feeding towards obviously a 
poor performance really from both teams. But I guess that leads towards us talking about where Northampton need to strengthen in January as a transfer window going on. Difficult times with COVID in terms of budget. But where would you say that Northampton needs to strengthen, James? Well, I think Brendan's already alluded to it. We need a lot more pace. If we're gonna if we're gonna persist with um, you know, three or five at the back, I think we need a proper right wing back. Um I think Harriman's a, a, a good defender uh, and he can offer something going forward. But I wouldn't say that's a specialised position uh, for him. And certainly um, left side as well, we're missing Joseph Mills. I think he was he was the kind of one player who I thought fitted the, the full-back system that we had when, when we signed him. So I think full-backs on either side, I think we need more creativity in midfield. I think Sowerby could offer that, but for whatever reason at the moment, it's not quite working for him. That said, he has spent most of the season watching the ball sail over his head. So, you know, uh, <laughs> and yeah, pa- just pace. We, we, you know, if, if we're going to sit back against teams, like Brendan said, we need to be able to counter quickly. And we don't, we're not able to do that at the moment other than Hoskins really. And it, it kind of, you know, uh, you know. Obviously, seen the news about Ricky Holmes this morning. Uh, a little bit disappointed uh, at, at that. I think we should be doing all we can to to keep him. And I get what Keith's saying about you know the the, the squad size and that, but I think we should be t- tr- trying to find a creative way of of, of keeping Ricky Holmes. Um, I get he's not the player that he was for us a few seasons ago, but he is one of the players who does run it opposition run at the opposition and we have so few of them and they're the players that create things and certainly I think we just need a whole lot more creativity and if we're going to persist with the you know five with the wing backs we need some proper wing backs yeah you're talking about a a right wing back for me someone like Jason Crow do you remember Jason Crow oh what yeah what player yeah, obviously that's a bit of a if an ask then they're not very common those sort of um, wing backs but someone that can Get up the pitch, can defend a bit of a bit of class about them, and just won't leave us liable when in behind. That's something I'm a bit sort of slightly concerned with our wing backs at the moment. Um, Brendan, a couple of questions for you. You know, firstly, where do you think we need to strengthen, and secondly, what do you think about this news about Holmes potentially leaving because his contract's up? Um, yeah, I, I think I'd I'd start with that with the Holmes thing actually. And, it's difficult. I read Kel's comments. Obviously, he's a bit held back by the 22-man squad, and I think he's looking at where he needs to strengthen now and weighing that up. I think I don't really know what's happened to Corboa. He, he kind of ignited everyone's interest at the beginning of the season because everyone loves the non-league. And he wasn't just non-league. He was like step seven or something, wasn't he? And they love that to League One. They love that story. And he got his two goals really early on. And then, it, you know, he hasn't even made match day squad uh, most of the time. So, you look at players like that, and I know he, he can't obviously let Corboa go. He's in the contract and Ricky isn't. But you look at that, I'd rather, I'd probably rather have Ricky Holmes on the books. Um, but it, I don't know. It, it's going to be a balancing thing, isn't it? You know, can Ricky uh, Corboa, can he leave on loan and then we keep Ricky Holmes? Or is it worthwhile sticking with Ricky Corboa over the long term? I don't really know. I think that's the one position we've probably got surplus at the moment. Um, is that kind of 10 or in behind the striker. Um, we play Hoskins there. Obviously, we've got Ricky Holmes or had him until Saturday. And Corboa, we've sent Warburton out on loan. So it's tough with Ricky. I, I don't. I think we'll have to see at the end of the window what happens. I, I wouldn't say that it's done. It's a it's a done thing for now that he'll he'll leave. Um, but I just also can't. 
I can un- I can almost understand why Cole's you know is a bit of a luxury player in Cole's system when he's got to get results and he's got to get wins. So um, I don't know. I guess we'll see on that. And yeah, as we said, I think where where we need to improve is just pace anywhere across the pitch. Um, I personally I know obviously we all love Chuck Wamika. He's a local lad. He's broke through this season. Um, I can again I can try and understand why Cole does you know a game like Sunderland where they're there's, there's a lot of international caps of experience on there and there's going to be a lot of defending to do. Chuck Wamik is still young. He's a bit naive. He talks a lot about how he doesn't um, trust Chuck Wamika to always track back and, and put in the hard yards in the other direction where you know you're going to get that out of Rose. Um, but he's the only player I see at the moment that will stand on the last man and stand on the shoulder. And yep. I, I think even if you're not the quickest player in the world, taking that chance especially what Cole does as well he leaves numbers up he, he plays numbers games and, and 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 dares people to do stuff on set pieces we don't have anyone really that will stand on the halfway line keep defenders honest I thought it was really good against Gillingham when, when we were defending the lead he brought Chuck Wamika on that's what we should be doing that that says to the defenders take the extra yard forward but I'm in behind you already we don't yeah. we don't have anyone like that I'd love to you know and if he's not going to trust Chuck Wamika to do it is there another forward player or wide player that we can have that's that's just going to pin people back like that? It, it's all well and good us sitting back, but I'd like us to offer something. You know, gone are the days of Jimmy Floyd Hasselbank where we had eleven men back for corners and 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 everybody back in the box. Cal will leave one or two up, and and I'd I'd just like to see those one or two have a little bit more quality and a little bit more pace. Um, mm-hmm. And then, and I think that was a really good point, James. I think, um, you know, Joseph Mills, when he comes back, will feel like a new signing. I think he was probably our best, my pick of the bunch of the signings in the summer. He was one of the best left backs in League Two last season. So if we can find something of a similar quality, which will be tough, but on the right, because I don't think Harriman's had had the best start to the season. He's not found the form he had last season. So, yes, I think there's, there's, there's much needed improvement all over the pitch if we're to stay in the league. But just some pace and uh, to pin teams back anywhere would, would help at the moment. Yeah, I agree with all those points. I think pace is a premium in the league completely. I haven't seen many really pacey players that are going to take a part in that position across the whole league. So that's an interesting one. Um, with, with regards to Ricky Holmes, I just I'd spin it on its head. I think maybe that we need Ricky Holmes or we need a Ricky Holmes type of player for that creativity. Quite clearly, the lowest score is in the league. But I'm not sure he actually needs to be playing for a Keith Cole sort of side at the moment in his career. Is it the best thing for him in his career and the, the pitch at Northampton? He's had a chronic back injury. I think maybe, just trying to be sort of kind to him, it might be better that he, I think maybe a League Two side that are up the, up the top of the league and just need a little bit of extra quality, maybe with a slightly kinder pitch, that might be a, a better move for him overall. Obviously, we do need him, but he's given a lot for the football club and maybe the you know, a move might be good for him. Um, in terms of Chuck Wamika, I think he's you know fantastic talent and still hasn't signed a pro deal. So, does he need minutes to entice him to do that? That's a, you know, open to debate that one. Um, let's go to the Sunderland side of things. Uh, the quest, same question will be asked up in in Sunderland. Um, Paddy, where do you think that Sunderland needs to strengthen? Probably a few places from yesterday, would you say? Yeah, um, I mean, obviously it's. I think the, the performance yesterday, you know, it's very similar kind of problems which Northampton are having. Um, you know, we've got, we have strikers at the club, you know, we've got three experienced strikers on on the books, but 
the problem is two of those are Will Grigg and Danny Graham. And Will Grigg is just, he's, he's one of the, his time at Sunderland is arguably one of the most frustrating in recent history. You know, we, we, we've signed him, you know, as a replacement for Josh Madger, who when Madger left a couple of years back was scoring goals for fun. And we were thinking, you know, this, this guy, he's going to get 30 goals and he's going to, you know, he's going to get us out of the league at the first time of asking. Obviously it didn't work out. And then, you know, we signed Grigg as a replacement and, I don't. I don't know what, exactly what the number is, but I think his record is something like one in nine for Sunderland. I think he's only scored five or six, five or six goals for Sunderland in about two years at the club. Yeah. So the problem is we we've had him on the books and he's just he's not doing the job. And the problem is it, we need to bring in other strikers. You know who can who can basically just getting better performance you know it, it, it sounds simple because it, it is simple you know we have two strikers in Grigg and Danny Graham who they're just they, when they're getting minutes on the pitch you just feel like nothing's going to happen it, it just feels like whenever the ball goes to them nothing's going to come of us and I think it's, yeah. it's going to be really important to, to just find players who can actually put the ball in the net because it, it's no it, it's no lie to say that we do have the attacking players who can make things happen and I think give it another few games where we get that match fitness back. I think you'll see the likes of Diamond and you know we saw Gooch come off the bench and McGeady. You know we have the players who can get the ball in the box for our strikers. It's just we can't just be putting the ball into Charlie White every time and hoping White puts it in the back of the net. And I think it's that's going to be a, a big test for Lee Johnson is to either get Grigg and Gray hiring or to go out and find a striker can do the job essentially so I think that that's going to be the biggest problem it's you know our goals we do tend to chip in with goals all around the team um, but you know we just we need somebody to be up there supporting White you know there's times where White will knock the ball down and there's nobody there or he'll knock the ball down to Grigg or Graham or somebody else and they, they just won't won't be able to get the finish so it's it's going to be a tough January, uh, but yeah, I think the priority's got to be finding somebody just to get in amongst the goals again, really, and just to just to get us firing towards getting out of League One, which is what we all sort of desperately want, really. Yeah, I'd I'd agree with much of that. I've obviously seen you a couple of times this season, but that sort of makes sense to me, especially from what I saw yesterday. Um, Phil, I'll put something to you, sort of turning on his head again, and you just sort of let me know what you think of it. I, <laughs> Obviously, someone like Kevin Phillips would be an amazing player for Sunderland, an ex-Sunderland player, a fox in the box. Obviously, you're going to struggle for someone of that talent, but a fox in the box, someone with little pace, can create their own chances and can finish. I've sort of felt in the past few years, this move towards these number nines up front that are jack of all trades can do everything, but not you know, some you know, finish specifically that well. Do you think there's a... There's a general trend away from the Kevin Phillips players and players like that 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 will make it difficult, Phil, for you to sign someone of, of that type. Yeah, I think I think there definitely is. I think it reflects a, a change in football more generally, where yeah. there seemed to be a huge amount of space for that kind of player in the game, mainly because the kind of the newer generation of coaches put so much emphasis on pressing in their yeah. strike. Mm-hmm. Doesn't really seem to be a role anymore for the kind of player who doesn't really contribute for 89 minutes of the game, but then can pop mm. stick one in at the back post. It's, you know, the strikers 
are now expected to cover so much distance and press and and you know make interceptions and what and what have you that 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 kind of play does seem to have gone. The kind of flip side I would put to that is is while Sunderland definitely need another striker and someone to score goals, for me I still think that they don't create enough chances. So even if they had a poacher, it's not like mm-hmm. you saw this yesterday. All the crossing is coming from a deep area, and you know your three centre halves were. You know, you can tell under Keith Curl, that's what they do all week. Just, you know, head crosses out of the box and they looked so comfortable. And so for me, yeah, I think it's something definitely need more goals, but I'd also be looking in midfield and, and maybe out wide as well and saying they need a little bit more pace for sure, but also a little bit more creativity. Because I think, well, I, I do think those strikers are kind of disappearing from the game a little bit. Even if you were able to find one, I don't think Sunderland would be the best place for them because it's not a team where you look at it at the moment and saying they're creating nine, ten chances a game. If only they had someone who could stick them away. And yesterday was probably a really good example of that. But I do think you're right that I do often think about someone like Kevin Phillips, you know, whether they would get much of a break in today's game because you see this with mm. strikers all the time. There is so much emphasis on what they bring off the ball. Um, you know, there's not really much room for someone who only pops up kind of two or three times a game. Yeah, we've seen it in Northampton. There was a guy came through the youth system. Joe Achuffano, uh, he's an you know, Italian, comes from Italian heritage, and he was just an absolute, he's lethal. He plays in non-league now, we released him, um, but he was just, I think his like, goal-scoring record is something like one in two, even down in non-league, something about that. Um, Brendan will sort of fill us in on that, he knows a little bit about <laughs> it. But he was often, it was often, he would score a goal, but the the discussion would be, okay, he's not, he's not tracking back enough, he's not doing enough for the team. So, it, yeah, it just seems a bit of a shame in a league and uh, where goals aren't, flowing and a team like Northampton and even Sunderland where not flowing that there's not more confidence put in just total lethal goal scorers would you say Brendan? Yeah I, I think it's I was just thinking as well listening to to, to both of you guys and again again no offence but I'm thinking like you know Charlie White, Will Grigg, Danny Graham and there's there's conversations that they're not good enough and then I'm like what would Cobblers fans do to be signing that as a trio at the beginning <laughs> of the season or two now do you know it's just it's different yeah. worlds, and 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 again, I was I was chatting to my mate about this in the week because he must have watched um, Sunderland till I die about ten times, and and we we had all these opinions about it because we were playing you at the weekend, and it's like I think it's so tough to be a player at Sunderland right now because there's no doubt in Will Griggs' record before he came in, and I, I I just had to have a quick Google while you were chatting how many goals he had scored. It's like five goals in about forty odd games, but we had we had allowed in the in the last season that that did really well kicked on in January was was a nuisance in the box and he scored about five goals in 40 games for Dane Oliver and then left at the end of the season on um because we, we didn't offer him enough money and he's gone to Gillingham and he's doing okay there and all season we've talked about how much we miss him and he's got about the same goal record but the the, the kind of I'm not saying that Will Griggs been good enough for Sunderland I'm just saying the kind of standard there and what's demanded because of the size club and the position that you're in and the league that you're in like it's it you know you it must be so difficult and I look at a lot of players that would probably want to go to Sunderland because of the size of the club and you have to look at their mental state and go are you up for it because if you have one bad game you will come in the firing line there, there's nowhere to hide in in a stadium of thirty thousand seats you know that you, you will get found out and they will get on your back if you play badly and it's just the difference in in quality that's needed because I'm you know I'd do anything to have Charlie White in the club this year. You know, absolutely anything. Um, so I, I just think a lot of what Sunderland's problem is, is, is going to be is, is coaching and and managing. And I, I don't I don't 
envy Lee Johnson and the, and the, the task he's got because turning those players round and making them, you know, play for the for the amazing fan base that you've got is probably his tallest tallest ask. Because I, I think he's got the talent there. I think he's got the players there. He just needs to make them realise how good they are. You know, um, you've got one of the most talented squads in the, in, in the league. They just need to start playing like it and playing without fear um, and, and not being afraid of, of what's going to happen after the game. What do you reckon to that, Phil? Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's kind of a, you know, it, it's been a, a long-running debate in terms of, in Sunderland, in terms of the, the quality of this squad and, you know, how much of it is is down to, to the actual quality, how much of it is down to the pressures and what have you. And one of the interesting things, actually listening to Lee Johnson after the game yesterday, was one of the things he said. Is he said this squad needs to believe more. And one of the things he said that he's picked up, even only being in charge a few weeks, is some days it feels like the place is buzzing and he really gets the sense that you know everyone's up for it and everyone really believes. And then other days it can kind of seem quite quite flat and it doesn't feel like that belief's there. And you know I, I do think we've seen that with quite a few players. I'm sure Patrick will will agree with me here, whereby you know they have little patches where they look absolutely tremendous. You know someone like Chris Maguire would be a great example. Who you know you can have a couple of weeks where you think you know why is why is this guy in League One, and then he'll sort of have three weeks a month where you know, it'll just kind of flatter to deceive a little bit. And that, that inconsistency is, is kind of been the reason why, you know, Sunderland have, have never really managed to become, you know, I can't remember the last time Sunderland were actually in the top two. It's probably something like December or, or January in the first season they were down in League One. And, and at the heart of it is that inconsistency of performance. And yeah, part, part of it, I'm sure, is, is kind of pressure. Um, but I think a big part of it is is belief as well. And it's interesting that that's something that Lee Johnson's kind of picked on pretty quickly. Uh, Paddy, what would you, your take on that be? I, I take on board both of the comments um, from Brendan and Phil. I still think, just obviously from watching you yesterday, that if you were a horse, you'd be described as one-paced. There was a bit of a one-paced. You can be, you can have as much belief as you want and you can have as players that are as good on the ball as you want but I still think you need a little bit of pace Paddy Yeah I think I think we do and this idea that the squad lacks belief it's I mean it, it's, as fans you know it, it's hard to it's hard to really say understand it because you think you know oh, loads of people would love to play for this club you know they shouldn't need to have be like told that they're good enough to play for this club and that they are playing for a club of this size but it's hard to really like comprehend that maybe players do actually need to be told this on a sort of maybe in like a daily, weekly basis. Um, but I think yeah, going back to obviously the the needing pace, it's just it is it's it's true. We do have too many players who are just too inconsistent. I think, but my my best example would be Max Power. We signed him when we first went into League One, and his first five six games he was outstanding. You know, he was throwing himself at every ball. He he, he scored a, a header from like almost the edge of the box in like our third home game or something. And we all think, oh, this guy's going to be great. You know, he's going to he's like the sort of he's the leader who we we need to play alongside when we had Lee Catamore. And then, you know, I just see him this year. He just seems like a completely different player. You know, he when he's on the ball, he looks round and he just he doesn't. It's like he doesn't know the the best pass from the player. And there was a couple of times yesterday where he, you know, he put pretty easy passes out for a throw-in, and I think it it does go back to this thing that we have, we do have the 
the ability in the squad to, to get out of this league. But it's too many players have bad spells at the same time. You know, we might have Maguire and Power, who, you know, at one point were sort of regular starters. They're like, you know, half found midfield. If they have an off day, then nothing really happens because, you know, everything's going through a midfield, which isn't really clicking together. So yeah. it's, it, it's, it's, so, it's difficult to, you know, we are going to need to see some new things come in in January, but I, I do think really we shouldn't need a big overhaul because I think the players are there. It's just, hopefully it's just a case of lack of match fitness. And, you know, it, in, a, in a month's time, you know, when we're, we're back to winning ways, this draw at Northampton is going to just think, oh, well, you know, it's obvious that there was just that lack of match fitness and mm. it's OK now, you know, because we're moving in the right direction. But it's, um, yeah, it's probably a bit too early to say at the minute. Sure, yeah. It's It's been a stop-start season as well, let's not forget it, especially with Sunderland's COVID problems. So it's hard to get any form going, any momentum going, even for Northampton. We're just, we're just going from one game to the next and hoping things are okay, hoping we can finish the season. So it's, it's not a easy situation for the players, especially mentally. So it's a, it's a difficult one. I think something we probably can agree on, this is probably one for fans of an older older hue, is that um, there used to be a guy called Martin Smith, played for both <laughs> Sunderland and Northampton uh, back in the day. He wasn't obviously a massive star for Sunderland, but what he did have was some real ingenuity and some class on the ball. And uh, James, do you reckon your cobblers could have done with son, uh, Martin Smith yesterday? You've literally beaten me to the point I was just about to make. I was about to say, those <laughs> guys crying out for the son of Pele, aren't they? Um, yeah. <laughs> what, a, what a player he was. And you know, Again, just one of those players who just got you on the edge of your seat. Um, and that's the kind of star quality that, that, that Ricky Holmes um, offered, you know, a, a couple of seasons ago. And players like that don't come around too often. And... Mm. Uh, you really appreciate them uh, w- w- when they do. And, it, yeah, it's, we, we could do with a player of that ilk, you know, a player who's obviously ridiculously out of his, uh, you know, should be playing at a higher level or for some reason is, is, is you know, coming back from injury, you know, someone like Gabor Gepes, you know, we, we need like a, a real yeah. star player who has somehow hit rock bottom and needs needs a new club and, and <laughs> with a the team that, that, that gets him. But Stuart Gray was excellent at finding finding players like that. Um, yeah. and yeah I, I think we just need a little bit more ingenuity in, in our recruitment I, I have to say that the recruitment under Curl in the main has been pretty good um, this summer it, it's been a, a, a different matter and we, we're going to have to kind of rectify some of that recruitment um, but yeah we, we could we could do with a, a kind of star player really to, to kind of lift the you know lift the performance levels of the other players as well um but it's not yeah. it's not easy finding those players there's a reason we still talk about martin smith you know um 15 years after after he was playing for us does anyone from the sunderland ends remember martin smith he played a few games for sunderland but he was very good down for northampton well it was a, a little bit before my my time but i can tell you that you know to a certain generation of sunderland fans martin smith is still absolutely adored um you know one of those players who may not have played a lot of games but made a big impression on on those who were there at the time so yeah i can't speak to personal experience of watching him but i can i can assure you um you mentioned that name in pubs around sunderland you'll get a you'll get a big response i can promise you that much oh that's good that's one one for the uh 
you know, the old school Sunderland fans. But yeah, even a Marco Gabardini, just someone who played for both sides as well. Someone who can just win games on their own and just have that bit of, like James says, ingenuity. Both teams slightly struggling for that yesterday. Um, let's wrap up now. It's been a really interesting chat. I'm just going to go to the Northampton, Northampton guys, James and Brendan, just to have a little word on Sunderland and where you think Sunderland can finish. Because obviously Sunderland really want to and need to be getting out of League One. James, do you reckon Sunderland can manage that this season? Um, based on what I saw yesterday, um, no. <laughs> but that's you know, <laughs> like, like you've said, it, it, playing us is, is a bit of a different kettle of fish compared to most of the other teams they'll play. I, I think I think they stand a good chance of making the playoffs. I think um, I think they will need to, having listened to what the guys have said, you know, invest a bit maybe if they want to get a top uh, top two place. I think certainly, you know, playoffs um, is, is a good good opportunity for them. And, you know, the, the fact that they're still down at this level is, you know, is ridiculous, frankly. They're such a big club. Um, for, for us to be playing them is 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 quite staggering, really, when you consider where they were five or six years ago. Um, you know, when you got to a cup final not that long ago, didn't you? Um, so, yeah, uh, I, I think playoffs, if they keep the squad... As is at the moment, based on what I saw yesterday. Admittedly, it's you know it's, it's a bit of a blink of view from one game, but I think if they invest a little bit and you know under the new owner, that they, they, they could they could get top two. Yeah, I think that's that's a fair summary. If I was, I'm not sure what's going on with the takeover yet, and whether there's any money in yet. I know um, Stuart Donald, not the most popular guy on Weir's side, but he was at the six years yesterday. I know there's a there's a sale going through. If any money sort of arrives anytime soon, I'd be looking at teams like Accrington and I know this is bad to say, and my, my friend Andy Hart Accrington won't like me for saying this, but I would be sort of looking at teams like Crew, Accrington, taking players off them. They've got a lot of you know, dynamic players that will probably help Sunderland a little bit. And I reckon a couple of players for Sunderland up front might change to swing the balance a little bit. So we'll see what state they're in at the end, you know, end of January. I think that, that could be a little bit of a change there. Um, Brendan, what about you for Sunderland? Do you reckon? promotion or might become a bit too soon uh yeah i mean you look at the squad and you have to say that promotions uh and, and playoffs is, is more than possible i think when you look right at the top end of the table hull and and um lincoln and peterborough always knocking about you, you know I, I was reading before the game sunderland have one of the best defenses in the league and, and and they face the uh the least shots in the whole league and that's fine but then when you do come up against teams like Northampton and te- teams up and down the uh, n- near the bottom of the table who are going to sit in and, and frustrate you. It's the teams at the top of the league like Hull and, and, and Lincoln and Peterborough that have really strong attacks that will break those teams down. And and we've been on the on the on the receiving end and some right lashings from from Portsmouth and Lincoln and stuff like that. Even when we've tried to defend, so I think you know there's no questions about Sunderland's defensive um, ability for me. Uh, I just hope that I hope for their sake that if if um, you know the match sharpness comes back, that the, that the goals start flying, I'm not going to take the nil-nil with us yesterday as any sort of indicator for that. But you know they've they've got a couple of games in hand and they put a few good good games together, good results together. There's no reason why they can't be in the playoffs and 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 looking higher. I just you know back to my earlier point, I just think the mental state of that of that squad and Lee Johnson and everything is must be so difficult at the moment. You kind of you damned if you do and damned if you don't. If you'd have beaten Northampton yesterday. You know, if you really want to be an elite League One going into the Championship player, you re- are you going to be really happy with the fact that you've beaten a team like us where we were in the table? 
but then you don't win the game or, or, or you draw the game and, and suddenly everyone's pointing fingers and saying he's not good enough or he needs to go, you know. It's it's the the, the big problem with, with being a club that size when you come down the league is, is no one's going to pat you on the back for beating Northampton, but they'll definitely criticise you if you if you don't. So I think if he if he sorts that out and sorts the mentality out in the, in, in the squad and gets them hungry for it, um, there's no reason why they can't be can't be promoted and I think playoffs at the very least should be the target I mean it's just interesting looking at the tables I'm just looking at, at the table now they've only lost three games so yeah they're very, but eight draws you know that that that's the problem right there isn't it you know yeah. Lincoln Hull drawn two and one um yeah. if you, you can convert you know it's about getting over the line in tough games like they had yesterday you know uh they, they had that chance didn't they in the six yard box I can't remember who put it over but you know oh, that right. goes it's a it's a different story for them isn't it but yeah, yeah I think just a little bit more star quality like we've said and and they can start pushing for for those playoff places and even then look above but based on yesterday you know they're drawing too many games i think to, to threaten the top two certainly yeah it, it'd be interesting to see how it pans out i, I fully expect Sunderland to create a bit of momentum especially after this transfer window especially if the takeover goes through um paddy from Sunderland's Sort of thing. Obviously, you only seen Northampton probably once this season. Um, do you reckon Cobblers, from what you've seen, have enough in their locker to stay up this season? Uh, yeah, definitely. Um, I think I've I've seen a few of our games this season, and um, we've actually got a really bad record against the current bottom seven. Um, but, but I think yeah, of what I've seen from Northampton, I I think you'll have. You've got that bit of grit, which I think teams at the bottom of any league need to avoid relegation. Um, and I think obviously now you know, you're starting to, to grind out some some good results. Um, so yeah, I can't really see. I think it will be if you can keep up that kind of performance against the teams who are going for promotion, and then obviously pick up the points in the games, you know, the the six-pointer kind of games. Um, mm. Yeah, I think you've got more than enough to avoid relegation, I would say. Yeah, that, that sort of fills us with a little bit of confidence. I'm I think smiling. you're right about the... Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's nice, actually. It's nice talking to Sunderland fans because Sunderland fans obviously got high expectations for good reasons with the heritage of the football club. It's nice to hear some sort of contradictions with Sunderland fans and Sunderland fans having a little bit of a... A moan, you know, even though it's um, understandable, it sort of takes us our mind off of our, our problems down the <laughs> league. So it's been actually quite nice listening to it, um, and it, it probably shows that even if we get to Sunderland's level, we'll ne- you know fans are never happy <laughs> no. until we're at the top end of the Premier League or something. But um, Phil, you've you've seen Northampton, and you obviously heard from Keith Curl yesterday. Do you reckon that Northampton, from what you've seen, have have got enough to keep the head above the line? Yeah, I think so. From from what I watched yesterday, I thought there was more than enough um, organisation and, and resilience in the team to stay up. I, I've definitely seen worse teams in the league this season. I think the big thing that I would have a question mark over, just because I've not seen you in those games, is do you have enough going forward to, to put yeah. away the teams around you? I think that's the question, isn't it? From what I saw yesterday, I'd have some confidence you can pick up some important points against teams at the top end of the table. For me, having not watched you in those contests, it's in the games where there's a bit more onus on you to produce an attacking threat. Can you go and do that? I mean, looking at your results, you've obviously had some good wins against teams around the bottom, so that's so that's pretty heartening. So it, it's tough to give the bigger picture because I've I've only seen you with that certain game plan where where a point was a good result. Um, so I guess it'll come down to the games where there's actually a bit more 
you know, you need to go and hurt the opposition. But from what I saw yesterday, that didn't look to me like like a relegation side, not not by any stretch. Yeah, that yeah, that's that's nice to hear actually. And although, yeah, like I said at the start of the program, that the game wasn't a spectacle at all, there were some positives there. It didn't, it shouldn't leave it either set of fans feeling forlorn or anything like I said about Sunderland Northampton a very difficult test very difficult pitch and I'm sure there will be you know more expansive football for you guys to come and for Northampton as long as we keep our head above the line as Brendan said a few times this season we all want to see a better style of football really and some more expansive play but survival as a football club and survival in League One is super important We, we can't get away from that but it's been a really interesting chat, guys, and thanks for everyone joining in, and um, we'll speak again soon. Thanks a lot. Cheers, Cheers. guys. Thank you. Thanks, for thanks a lot. Time. Speak Take again care. soon. Thank you. Bye-bye. Good luck for the season. Bye-bye. Cheers. Bye-bye. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.